everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 37 of the one and only show bringing you tips and tricks for working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is, it's duck season, rabbit season, no, it's motorcycle season, so hold on tight, here we go. Before I finish this intro, another life will be lost to a vehicle crash, and the $500 billion economic impact of vehicle crashes will only keep growing. Are you an attorney, expert witness, police officer, or insurance adjuster in charge of negotiating, investigating, or litigating vehicle collision cases? If so, then you're in the right place. The Expert Angle podcast was created for you because we believe that the industry must evolve, grow, and get better daily. And the only way to do that is by building the best team of experts possible to ensure that these crashes are handled efficiently, accurately, and honestly in order to get justice for the victims. We're Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and this is The Expert Angle. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This episode of the Expert Angle podcast is brought to you by Virtual Crash Accident Reconstruction Software. If you are tired of having to purchase, upkeep, and run multiple programs during an investigation, Virtual Crash is the cure. With Virtual Crash, you can build 3D environments using your actual scene data. You can simulate, animate, and create awesome visuals. You can also use the new momentum analysis tool for vehicle motion. Basically, Virtual Crash is the complete accident reconstruction software solution. Solution. Visit vcrashusa.com today to download your free trial or schedule a live one-on-one demonstration. Phil, 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 Phil. Good morning and welcome to another amazing episode. Although I feel like now we have a tough few shows to follow um, with, with the last few that we've done, but I have a feeling today, today could do it. It could do it. Because, do you ever uh, you you ever watch Looney Tunes growing up? Absolutely. So there's the the famous scene of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, right? And they're out there being hunted by Elmer Fudd, and 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 he's gonna shoot one of them, and they're arguing over, you know, is it duck season? It's rabbit season. It's duck season. Rabbit season. But today, do you know what season it is? Motorcycle season. It is motorcycle season, 100%. And so I thought we would do a show today on motorcycles because you and I are both very avid motorcyclists. Um, and, uh, and, and like, I don't know about you, but I love uh, motorcycle crashes are, uh, they're probably the thing I love the most. So I, I thought this would be a good show to bring to the people. Their challenge. They are. They're definitely a challenge. And so I, I thought this would be this would be interesting. So let's just let's just dive right in. So basic opinion. OK, you have a motorcycle crash. And so you have a, an attorney who needs an expert to work this and get speeds and find some stuff out about it. Are motorcycle crashes the same as car crashes? No. Are they the same as pedestrian crashes? A component of it is. Oh, all right. So a component's there. Are they the same as a motor, uh, commercial motor vehicle semi crash? Getting closer. Yeah, almost because both yeah. semis and motorcycles are articulated vehicles. Semi, semi and crash or semi crashes and pedestrian crashes are. Uh, there, there's pieces of that that really play in the motorcycle. Yeah. So kind of an interesting problem because, you know, one, a motorcycle isn't the same as a car. 
But yet we see a lot of experts who have only been trained in cars or only had recon and that's it. Right. Like they, they come out of school and they go to recon they get that, that shiny certificate and they're like, oh, well, I can reconstruct everything now. And while you have a basic general understanding, I, I, I would say, yes. Yeah. Fair enough. yeah I, I mean, I would agree with that. I think everybody comes out of recon with a basic knowledge of how to handle pretty much most types of crashes. Mm. Right. I mean, you got that general education. I always make the smart aleck comment. So now you know enough to get yourself so far down the rabbit hole, you can't see the opening where you came in. <laughs> right. Because it, it, and it's not by any fault of their own. Uh, I'm not picking on them. It's, but you're saying it's rabbit season. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just that um, you have a different sense about your investigative style. You really want to go after the answer you really want to go after the you know find out the truth what have you whatever you want to call it and and you just take off now you just take off running because now you feel like you're you feel armed with the tools to do it and it's it's tough to reel yourself in and say ah i need to back off man this is this is this is above above my comfort zone. So people all the time take off in this little tangent and next thing you know, they find themselves drowning. Yeah. hundred percent. And I agree. And so, but what makes motorcycles so unique and let's just start here. And I figure we'll kind of go through sort of each of the, the problem areas that, that you need to look out for. And this is important for the attorneys to understand, I think, because if you're working motorcycle crashes, you need to kind of have an understanding of, of why this is such a, a specialty niche field, niche, 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 niche. I don't know. I, again, that one word that I just, I don't, I, I hear it. I, what Google tell us the one day niche, I think. Are you talking? Uh, anyway, so, but you know, one, you guys need to understand why this is such a, a specific field. And for the investigators, if, if you guys have just come out of recon, you need to understand why you need to go get additional training if you're going to work motorcycle crashes, because they are their own animals. All right. So first, let's just let's just dive in here. Let's talk about just the, the generality and the performance and the dynamics of motorcycles. OK, do motorcycles in, in the in the most basic sense before it even starts to move? Now, before we even start to ride it down the road, we have to understand that, you know, there's there's a few axes that pass through your car. There's the pitch axis, how, how the car rotates front and back, right? The roll axis, how it how it goes side to side. And then your yaw axis, how it rotates around its center point, right? With a car, I would say generally, generally. Now you might have some, some weight shift and, and some body roll going around corner, stuff like that. But generally what's the most common thing that we see with a car? Yaw. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think yaw would be the most common thing that we see with a car, right? How it rotates. And, and you guys have seen this in the curves car comes in big arcing uh, tire marks, right? As the car starts to rotate and the rear tires start to track outside of the front, right. but with a motorcycle, what's the most common angle? 
most common angle. All right. What's, what's the most common body movement rotation? Realistically, I would say roll. Yeah. Right. Because the motorcycle has to lean right. to, to, to corner. Right? right. But now also second to that, I would say also would be pitch because you get guys that ride wheelies or and when they, they come in and they, and they, uh, they, they vodka break. Um, the yeah, whiskey throttle is the acceleration. Right. Well, we're going to get, we're going to get to this here in just a second. Yeah. So, but you know, when they, when they, when they slam on those front brakes, you get that effect. That's called a stoppy, right. Until they go over the handlebars or, when, or when they run into a car, right? you're going to get a, you're going to get a, a pitch effect, right? Because the back end is going to come up and it's going to throw your rider off. So they're, they're super interesting and, and they're working on the axes that you typically don't see in a car. Um, and really you don't too often, you don't see yaw on a motorcycle. Sometimes you will. Not, yeah. Not without braking. Right. I mean, it's, it's braking, you know, it's brake induced. I would say almost 100% of the time unless it washes out. And then at that point, I would, it's not really a y'all. It's yeah. just, it's just a slide. Well, and, and so, I mean, it, you know, it'd be hard to y'all one out. Yeah. And, and that's it. I mean, from, from just think of, think of all the riding, you know, from the, from the motor officer course, yeah. I would say if you were ever going to be able to yaw a bike, it would have been in that course. And were you yeah, ever I'm able at it? Yeah. If, if you're under power, if you have power to that rear wheel, are you ever going to get it to track outside of the front wheel without, <laughs> uh, without inducing some sort of braking or sucking the clutch in? No, I mean you don't. Yeah, if you got power to that rear wheel, it's it, it's just uh, the gyroscope the effect. Get, the only way you'd get the back trail outside of the front or track outside of the front is a is acceleration, and that's not a y'all. Um, and we're talking about in a straight line, obviously when you corner you, you, your, your rear is going to track outside your front a little bit, but yeah, but as far like you said, like as far as a, it yawn at, you know, going into a critical speed, like a, a corner, it just falls over because yeah. you're just going to lean. You're going to lean. I'm not turning enough. I'm not turning enough. You're going to lean a little more. I mean, all this is happening very quickly in the riders or the operator's mind, but eventually you lean past it's, uh, it's friction capabilities and it just, plops on the surface and two objects take off in two separate paths. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's just, it's uh, they're an interesting beast. And I'm actually, I'm glad you brought that up because if you can't get this vehicle to really yaw when it's under power or just free rolling, right. And it has to be brake induced for the most part, because we've seen it very few times, but we have seen it that when you get it, and that rear tire does start to break out and it comes out wide, 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 wide. And then all of a sudden you're either going to high side the bike and you're going to throw the rider off or you're going to low side it and wash out. All right. But when that has happened under a few circumstances, we've seen a police officer or a other investigator. I don't even know. I don't think it was a police officer. I think it was just a, I think it was an investigator on the private side, but they, they categorize that tire mark as a critical speed tire mark. I would disagree wholeheartedly. Well, yeah, because a critical speed tire mark, you can't be doing what? Yeah. You can't you can't be braking. Right. Right. Otherwise, it just becomes a curved tire mark. So you got to watch that. 
You really do. And this is why it becomes so critical to have investigators that specialize in motorcycles. So, you know, now uh, you look like you're getting ready to say something. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sure I'll get more (laughs) aggravated about it as we go. (laughs) Right. That's really if you guys haven't noticed now, you know, 37 episodes in, 38 episodes. in. um, Really, the whole dynamic of the show is to see how aggravated I can get Phil. To where he just pops off at the mouth and then just goes. And I'm usually pretty aggravated the moment I sign in. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's just, just trying to just push your buttons the whole show. Um, but no. So, uh, okay. So we've talked a little bit about those dynamics, but let's also talk about these dynamics, acceleration and braking of a motorcycle. Yeah. Right. Very, I guess maybe misunderstood or undercategorized. I don't know, but it, 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 it frustrates me when people try to apply car accelerations to motorcycles, yeah, car accelerations <laughs> or car braking, you know, characteristics to motorcycles because they have an agenda. Um, and man, that just pisses me off because a bike can out accelerate any car on the, any car. And, and pretty much any bike can accelerate any, except for, except for, a Can-Am. We have noticed under testing that can and, and while a Can-Am is capable of it, Can-Ams do um, really they, they act like cars. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking I'm talking two wheels. I'm not talking yeah. Yeah, Can-Am. I don't. Me personally, I don't. I don't think they should be classified as a motorcycle just because they're missing one wheel. Right. Uh, I mean, realistically, they're a trike. They're just a reverse trike. Yeah. But I mean, most, I mean, the bulk of your motorcycle, especially when you start talking sport bikes, mm-hmm. you start talking, you know, uh, GSXRs and, and Hayabusa's and stuff like that. I, I don't know who in the right mind is, thinks that they can, they can downplay the braking because it fits their, uh, it, it fits their uh, client's wishes or, um, underestimate acceleration it's so frustrating because anybody that knows anything about bikes knows a freaking motorcycle will accelerate accelerate like a beast and brake like no other especially if you have an experienced rider yeah you have an experienced rider man yeah some of these younger younger guys that have been riding these sport bikes or they they have figured it out and Mm. they can stop these things on a freaking dime i mean it, it is crazy the braking that these things capabilities these things produce yeah in in the right circumstance yeah so i would say too when you're investigating motorcycle crashes this is one where it is i would arguably say it's even more important to find out the level of skill of the rider than any than any other type of crash i mean maybe uh, i said that and i instantly kind of wanted to come off of it and say maybe truck drivers because that arguably would be another skill. I, maybe if that involves braking or backing. But other than that, I think motorcycles are probably, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I think that's the number one, number one type of crash where it matters the most, your level of, of skill and proficiency. I would agree to some, some point. And a lot of times you can get that, you know, talk to. To family, friends. Yeah, family, friends they ride with and whatnot. I mean, most motorcycle riders don't, you know, don't ride by themselves all the time. A lot of them ride with somebody. And a lot of them ride with the same somebody or somebody's 
um, it, it's a it's a group, you know. Um, yeah, uh, it's. It, I don't yeah. know. You just, you need to you need to really look into these these bikes. I mean, and and when I say too riding capabilities, we mean like actual school training, not experience. Experience is one thing. Like we do need to know experience, but we also need to know training that they've received because have you seen riders that have ridden for a long time that have never been trained and, and really what have they just done over 20 some years? They've reinforced bad habits. Yeah. But I've also seen some that have never been to an official school and they're freaking beasts on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so, I mean, I, I would, I would put them up against anybody that would come out of the school. They'd yeah. outride in circles. Yeah. But you know, a lot of times you see, like, um, you know, and realistically, I just think back of like my, my dad's generation that, that rode and, and, you know, I grew up as a little kid riding on my dad's motorcycle. So, um, he's like, my dad's really good. He's like that. I don't think he ever went to a school. I think he, uh, he went and got like one of those little Enduros and then took the state test on that, got his license and boom, just went out riding, you know, but you go back to the generation of guys from the the sixties and seventies that, that have been riding. And what were they always taught about the front brake? Don't use it. Right. Because otherwise you're going to go over the handlebars. Right. But realistically now, what have we found out about the front brake? Yeah, I'm a front brake. I I am probably a 90% front breaker. Yeah. If there's a brake that I don't use it, realistically, it's going to be the back brake. But even at that, so, you know, when we get into this conversation, there's actually a proper technique for applying braking. And this, uh, this is more so because of the way you're set up uh, of your, of your sport motorcycle or um, your cruisers, not necessarily your crotch rockets, different riding position, but on the, on the cruisers, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you now, Phil, right? You're going to go back to Harley Davidson school here, right? What's the actual proper braking technique that Harley Davidson teaches that, that is true. If you do it properly and, and you do this on uh, on the 180 D cell, right? Or your or your escape and evade there, what? Uh, how do you apply the brakes? It's well, it's going to be four fingers on the the front brake, and then as you're you're braking coming into it, you don't stab it and get to to threshold braking. You, you it, it's it's a steady, um, uniform uh, squeezing of the of the front brake, and as you're doing that, it is your your uh, right foot is covering the rear brake and just kind of resting on the pedal and as you're braking with the front and that you start pitching down it starts putting your pushing your body for pulling your body forward and it'll automatically apply the appropriate amount of rear braking onto the you know with just with that your your inertia change of your body you don't have to move your foot and push the brake pedal the, yep. the, uh, the inertia will do it for you and, and you won't <clears throat> you won't lock up that rear brake the moment you try to oh crap I'm not going to make it and add rear brake hold on because you're going to intimately become close friends with uh, asphalt <laughs> hello, hello asphalt how are you today yeah. <laughs> wow Bam. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's always, the asphalt is always accommodating. It is always happy to see you when you are on a motorcycle. Yeah. So it, um, but no, it, it feels exactly right. So, you know, if we're investigating a motorcycle crash and we're interviewing somebody or attorneys, if you're doing a depot, 
of somebody that that is riding a motorcycle and you would ask me how much rear brake you know did i did i use both the front and rear brakes a lot of times a motorcycle rider if they if they did it properly might tell you that they only consciously applied the front brake because really that was the only thought process they had because if your foot is set properly the rear brake is applied automatically through the inertia of your body so, so you never actually had that thought part. Like when I ride, I don't have to think, Oh, apply the rear brake. It does it automatically when I apply the front brake. Yep. So just be aware of that when you guys are, are, are doing your depots or you're taking a statement from a motorcycle rider that if their training and skill set is high enough, that might be their mindset when they're braking. Yeah. So, uh, so let's, let's then pivot here and talk about, Oh, you know what? Yeah, let's let's pivot there and we'll talk about throttle. So this is where we get into the old whiskey throttle. <laughs> so and this has been a, a long running joke on the show. And, and I think we, we put it in every episode that we can about the old whiskey throttle. Uh, just because we we had a, 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 a I think that was, that was actually an avicular homicide case, wasn't it? And uh, and the investigator put that in the report that he applied the whiskey throttle <laughs> that he whiskey throttled coming off of. The <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I, I get it that what he was going after is wide open throttle. You know, kid just just romps on the throttle. Wow. Wah, 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 you know, and just boom. Um, but just say wide open throttle. <laughs> I don't know that that's the appropriate place for the slang of, of whiskey throttle. Yeah, and it, you know, what if what if you're in the Napa Valley? I mean, that might be offensive to them. That could be, yeah, yeah. But it goes over well in in Kentucky. If you're in if you're in Louisville and you're like, oh, I applied the whiskey throttle. Yeah, Depending on what type of, they'd be like, well, was it Buffalo Traces or was it Angels Envy? Like, what yeah. kind of whiskey are we talking? <laughs> that may depend on the type of throttle response. Yeah, is it old number seven throttle? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and if, if you're in Kentucky, you definitely don't want to apply Tennessee whiskey throttle. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That'd probably be the reason you crashed your motorcycle. Probably it. Yeah. hundred percent. So, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know, but, but with acceleration, yeah. Can a bike out accelerate a car? Absolutely. Yeah. Most of the time you don't see cars realistically getting getting near the one g of acceleration i mean most of the time i would say 90 percent of your time you're under one g of acceleration motorcycles can can definitely get there especially coming off the line and, yeah and a, and a lot of the sport bikes especially now when, when you get into cruisers and stuff like that those guys most generally unless there's some uh, ridiculous reason why but I, it would have to involve the whiskey throttle but most of your cruisers are not accelerating hard like that and your your tourings aren't yeah you're inexperienced um you're inexperienced riders they'll, they'll stand out the guys that come off of the line and they're just man that pipe's just screaming 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 on a cruiser or a touring bike that's just that's just somebody that hasn't grown up a little bit uh yeah. excited because they got a new bike and can't wait to crash it <laughs> but uh Meet you the crash scene <laughs> yeah, your, your sport bikes, man. I'm telling you what, these these guys know these bikes. They know what their capabilities are. Oh, my God. That's why I have never understood. I know we're going off on a different tangent, but I've never understood it to me why law enforcement officers 
pursue sport bikes. I, I've never got it because I've had them. I've had them pull a wheelie, flip me off, and take off, and I would just laugh and shut it down. Yeah, I get that yep. thing. I'm right there with yeah. you. I, I, I've never understood it, uh, but yeah, those. It's ridiculous the acceleration. And if no one's ever been on one, you know, for for those uh, the attorneys or other experts that that have never been on one, get on one. Go yeah. for a ride. Yep. Go for a ride with somebody that's trained, uh, you know, a, a trained operator. If you if, if you know if you're if you're that nervous or scared, then go yep. with a trained rider and see what that bike can do. It will freaking. Well, and and so you know, one of my one of my best friends is. I ride with a, a professional stunt rider and, you know, I consider you know, professional when you get paid to come out and do shows, you know, people are, are giving you money to come out and do stunts. Um, I consider you to be a professional stunt rider. <laughs> so, um, but he was part of a big team that is up here in, in Northeast Ohio and they would go out and do shows and stuff like that at, at different events. Um, but I ride with him all the time and he is, he's unbelievable. And so it, it was funny actually, because, um, so we're coming down 77 one day and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just hanging back cause I have a cruiser and, uh, he's on his, he's on his crotch rocket that day. And, and he, so he pulls it up, does a wheelie and he rides this wheelie for probably, I don't know, 20 miles, probably, you know, but he's maintaining the speed limit. And when he changes lanes, he signals and uses hand signals as he goes around cars and he'll change lanes on it and everything. And, it, and it's hilarious because, you know, he waves at little kids in cars as he goes by and stuff like that, you know, and, and it, it's so funny, but I had a police officer once and they're like, well, I would charge you with reckless op. And I'm like, okay, is he going any faster than the speed limit? Well, no. Is he signaling before every lane change? Yeah. Is he in control of the motorcycle? Yeah. What's reckless. Just, and, and that's the interesting thing because I would defy you that just because you're on one wheel, I don't think that makes you reckless. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It might, it might be a bad, a bad, and, and a lot of cities have ordinances that require you to have both wheels on the ground, but that's right. not reckless. Right. It, I, I'm telling you, they're, they're interesting. Motorcycles are, are very interesting and you need to, you need to get to know a little bit about your rider, you know, what background, um, especially you get a rider that, that, that bites it and you dig into the background a little bit and they come from a, you know, motocross racing mm-hmm. background experience. Um, that's a big one. And, and I know down here where I'm at, they, um, they have a lot of, uh, like bike nights and, and bike gatherings and stuff like that at some of these, uh, closed courses. And these guys will get out there and, and get that, that venom in their blood. And next thing you know, they're, they're doing a lot of just, weekend rides and, and going up to these close courses and riding these. Yeah. Uh, but I guess it, to digging into the investigative side of it, 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 it aggravates me when people say, well, you can't do momentum on a motorcycle crash. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm getting there. We're, we're getting to that point. Hang on. We were building up to that. Don't, don't get, don't get ahead of me yet. I just wanted to touch on one more quick, one more quick little thing. And then we'll talk about calculating speeds for motorcycle crashes. Okay. So, the only thing that, that I wanted to hit on real quick where I was sort of going with that wheelie story too is be careful because when you go out and you try and figure out what a rider or, or driver can see in a crash, right? And we do this a lot. I mean, we always take pictures going through a crash scene, right? And when we take pictures going through a crash scene, at what level do we hold the camera typically, Phil? Yeah, whatever level you're standing at, most people. 
Yeah. So I, I, I level the driver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like if somebody's riding in a Corvette, I'm not going to hold my camera up at my level, my eye level as I'm walking around, I'm going to hold it down like close to like my belly button. Right. Because realistically when a Corvette is sitting, that's, that's where the the driver is going to be looking at. So if I'm taking pictures on his approach, that's where I hold it at. So be aware of that. If you have a motorcyclist riding a wheelie, do you know, do you actually know where the head position is of, of a sport bike rider who's riding a wheelie? It's actually almost uh, eye level with, with a semi. They look, when you're on a wheelie, you will look over the tops of SUVs and cars. You're so high up in the air. So just be aware of that, that, you know, when, when you're trying to figure out what this guy could see from up there, they're at a extremely elevated position because they're standing on the foot pegs that are raised up in the air and then they're actually standing up. So, you know, they add another six feet of height on, on top of the foot pegs that are, are three feet off the ground now because the, the bike's rotated up on its rear wheel. So, you know, realistically they're about eight to nine feet in the air. It so, could be, um, it depends, you know, if you got a if you got a person who's standing and wheeling it, or they sit and wheel a lot of. Well, them. yeah, if you're yeah, if you're sitting and just doing a power wheelie versus, uh, you know, standing up and actually doing a controlled wheelie, yeah. yeah. So, but again, yeah, super important to know. And then also, just as we as we go into speed calculations, right? One of the first important things that we need to know is, and, and this kind of teeters the the line between the the rider behavior and then going into this of. Sp- calculating speed one of the first things we need to know is where impact happened at right and typically on a motorcycle crash your gouges and scratches are going to start not at your area of impact they're going to be off slightly because the bike's going to take a little bit to fall over but is there a way that you could determine because i i would defy that you know with a car you're fine if you know that it's in the northbound lane of this roadway coming into the intersection you could just put it back in the northbound lane and run it through that through that lane with a motorcycle, though, he could be in multiple places of that lane, and you can't just blanket apply. But is there a way, Phil, that you would know or could figure out where the rider is likely riding at in that lane? There's a number of... If, mean, if he's no longer with you... The motorcyclist? Who, yeah, say the motorcyclist died. How would you figure out where he rides, where he likes to ride inside of a lane? There's two typical places motorcycles ride in a lane of travel, and it's in the tire lanes. So it's either the left tire lane, <clears throat> um, so driver's side tires, path of a car or passenger. Very rarely do you have a motorcyclist uh, traveling in the middle of the lane of travel. Yeah. Because every, just about every motorcyclist out there uh, knows that that is going to be where all your oils and and stuff like that all your fluids that leak from vehicles from you know engine seal or transmission seal failures especially at intersections yeah so they're riding the left tire track predominantly in the left tire track or the right tire track are they going to be exactly centered in that tire track no but at that point if if we're going to get on the stand and argue about two inches you know, I'll give you the two inches just to shut you up because I'm not going to sit and have that yeah. two inch argument with you. And uh, and arguably, just ask, ask the family who rides with this motorcyclist, yeah. and go out and ask them what lane position they prefer because yeah. motorcyclists are diehard about their yeah. lane position. Yeah, every rider's got a preference. Yeah, like I I lo- I ride in the left tire mark towards the double yellow 
Like that's, I, it kills me. Like when we do parade formations and you put me against the curb, I like, I have dang near a panic attack. I hate riding against the curb. I, I don't like it at all. But like my buddy, Steve, that I ride with, um, he is a curber. He hates being by the double yellow. Yes. And I like the double yellow. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. yeah and, uh, I'm, but yeah, so there you go. But okay. So, so now that we can identify the path the rider's taking, can we use that Phil to calculate speed of a motorcycle? Absolutely. We can what? <laughs> but I thought, I thought you can't use momentum to solve speeds on motorcycle crashes. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the, uh, the, um, the mindset that's been out there for years is that the weight ratio is, is so critical. Once you reach a, you know, X to one ratio moment, you can no longer use momentum. Well, that, that's not true. Um, because that, I mean, if you think about it from <laughs> just a logical sense, well, let me, let me put it this way. It, it's, it can be true. And if you're going to use momentum with motorcycle crashes, it must be done with caution and you right. must know exactly. what you're doing. But to say that it just blanket putting right. number out that the equation only works until you get to this ratio blank, you know, this to one, mm-hmm. that's not true. Correct. It is not it's true. Not, uh, you can go this far and then it doesn't work anymore. Right. It, and, and we have proven that time and time again. Yeah, because, you know, at that point, the, 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 the more further apart the two get in the ratios with one another, then it just becomes certain components of that of that type of investigation or that type of analysis become super, super, super critical. And other things need to start coming into play. Um, it's not just simple, simply, you know, approach a departure angle and that's and that's it, you know, from a traditional, you know, momentum consideration you got to start looking at you know a lot of other things you know um you know torque wheel torque and and you know your your yaw moments um just everything your lever just all sorts of things come into play but it does work i mean we've had some we've had some car versus motorcycle collisions you know uh not perfectly t-bone but pretty daggone close and it works very well. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Like you said though, but with caution, you have, I mean, thing, things get very sensitive and things get very, you know, you, you can't just, you can't yeah. just throw numbers in there and it's not going to work that way. Right. And so, you know, the, the big thing I would throw out there then to, to, an, to an attorney is be aware when you guys are reading these reports and especially on a rebuttal report, if you have an investigator who used momentum to solve speeds on a motorcycle crash, and then your, your expert on the flip side authors a rebuttal report that says, oh, well, he violated the laws of physics and blah, 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 and you can't use momentum. Everybody knows that, you know, to solve a motorcycle crash. I would be, I would, one, I would question your expert on, his credentials of investigating, you know, has he been specially trained in motorcycle crashes or has he not? And what's the other investigators training? Has he been, because if he's been specially trained in motorcycles or has that advanced knowledge of 
using it properly and you can use it properly and, the, and applying the checks because there are multiple checks that you should apply if you're using it, including an angle sensitivity test. Um, you know, it, but if, if the other investigator did that, you, you might have an issue with your investigator actually. Yeah. It, I mean, there, there's a number of different ways to skin the cat. Yeah. Sorry for the cat lovers out there, but um, if you're a cat lover, then there's many ways to, I don't want to say skin. I don't think people don't skin dogs. Well, skin a deer. How about that? Can we go skin a deer? Or if you're a vegetarian, there's many different ways to peel a potato. Or banana. Or an animal. Uh, yeah. There you go. All right. But, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, we got off on some other tangent. I don't even know what suddenly <laughs> we talked about. Many different ways to skin a cat. Go ahead. <laughs> it's there's a lot of different ways to approach these motorcycles. And and Eric, you and I, we always we kind of I don't want to say joke about it because it's not funny, but we 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 uh, we'll go back and have the discussion of the the. <laughs> The one, the one motorcycle crash that literally, you know, was was done so many different ways and, and still came up with the same, the same answers. Uh, and, and it just, it, it's, it works. Yeah. You just be careful. You know, and, and that's it. So in, in this case, guys, and just so you kind of understand where we're coming at is it, it really validated, I think, mine and Phil's opinions on motorcycles because, um, you know, Phil, so typically if you work a motorcycle crash, my rule is, and really in any crash, I like to solve for speed at least two different ways mm-hmm. in, in pretty much any crash, because that way, if you beat up on my momentum, I have something else. If you beat up on that, I have moment, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but so in this motorcycle crash, I think in the report you had solved for the, you had done the rider throw to get a speed. And then you did slide to stop for the motorcycle to get the speed and, and they both matched. And then, so, so I'm like, great, it looks good. You did rider throw and slide to stop uh, for the motorcycle. They, they match the, the speeds look reasonable. Everything looks good. So we're done. So Phil gives me the report for peer review. I'm like, yep, great. Send it to the attorney. We're good. He then calls me back like two days later and he's like, Hey man, um, you know, I, I just, I really got to thinking about it and I wanted to put momentum into this. So I solved for the motorcycle crash doing momentum. And I was like, ah, oh, man, Phil, what if you get a different answer than the other two that you already had? And he's like, well, I'll just take a look at the report. So I read it and I'm like, yeah, looks good, man. Yep. You, numbers match. Everything is, is nice and consistent. We're good. Send it to the attorney. He calls me like three days later. He's like, Hey man, you know, I was just, I was sitting here and I just, I just, I wanted to confirm that speed. So I did rotational mechanics on the the motorcycle impact. Can you take a look at it? And I'm like, okay, yeah. So now we've got rider throw, slide to stop momentum, rotational mechanics. And I'm like, Phil, I swear to God, I'm like, it looks great. All of your numbers jive, send it to the attorney. If you call me back and tell me you reworked the speed one more time, I'm going to come down there and beat you within an inch of your life. So and I forget, did you work at a, I think you worked at two different momentum ways, didn't you? Cause then you found a different momentum way of working motorcycle crashes. Yeah. And it all, I mean, it, you know, are you coming up with the same exact answer? No, you're not. And you should not. Right. You know, but is it in the same range? Absolutely. It was uh, every one of them were within the same range. And it was yeah. one of those type of crashes where it just was like, Ooh, wow. Really? Oh man. But you know, it, it's, and, and what made it so hard for you, I think, in that crash was because you had the, 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 the premier law enforcement agency when it comes to crashes 
calculated a speed of what 55 and you had a speed of 90 or 40 i think they had 45 didn't they it's somewhere around there it's it was at at and below yeah the speed limit and you were coming in at like 85 to 95 and so there was just there was such a big difference and i know that that's what weighed on your mind was you know you're coming in and, and arguing over 40 miles an hour and that 40 miles an hour made the difference between oh, yeah. a felony and and nothing yeah <laughs> and you know it, it being the car's fault not the motorcyclist you know and there were so there, there's so many other things that when you're looking at motorcycle crashes i mean you need to look at certain things about motorcycle crashes i think people um overemphasize or or, or or spend too much attention on is the the debris of the motorcycle you know fairings coming off and seats coming off and things like that and and a lot of times people will be like oh man that motorcycle had to be flying not necessarily i mean this thing those things come off very 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 easily mm. uh, yeah I mean, it's, it's all held together with polyurethane and aluminum <laughs> yeah you know and some of it's just push you know push clips that hold them in place and then you know there's a there's a weak click you know single latch click um that holds the seat down so i mean you know when things like that come off i usually don't pay much attention to those whatsoever um now when you have the bike the the triple tree ripped off of the bike and it's over here and the rest of the chassis is over here um when you have two you know big heavy chunks uh in two different locations the, the red flag to the investigator should be going up because it yeah. takes a tremendous amount of force to rip the front forks off of a motorcycle yep. and, you know, send it a different direction. And yeah. that should be a clue to anybody that's going to investigate motorcycle crashes. You see that kind of damage, you need to back up a minute, slow, <laughs> slow your roll, slow down and, and yep. start really looking for the, the needle in the haystack on your evidence um because you you got a speed issue there yep and and please don't be that guy or girl that when the front forks break off of the motorcycle and the triple tree just explodes um and they are found over in the tree line and and your motorcycle is still at rest in the roadway please don't carry the front forks over lay them next to the motorcycle and then measure them and get a speed from crush to the front forks. <laughs> I, I believe at that point, I think <clears throat> you're outside the scope uh, or the, the limitations of that formula. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I think you have slightly exceeded what that formula can do. You know, and it's one of those things where you, you know, you look at a, um, and in the particular case we're talking about, the thing that kind of drove me nuts in that case was one the uh, the triple tree was was ripped uh, ripped away from the bike, and it was one place, and the the rest of the chassis was somewhere else. But number two, the the car that it hit, it hit it with such force that it literally pushed the car out of its way and continued through uh, the lane of travel. Now, yes, it went off at an angle, but it didn't hit it go over top of the car. It didn't hit it, stop, you know, and then just slide off and, you know, bounce off the car and slide off in another direction. It literally pushed the car. Hey, get out of my way. I'm going to rotate you around, hit the ground and I'm going to slide right on out, you know, continue on my path of travel. I mean, that's all clues of holy cow. Right. 
Yeah. And, and the same thing, you know, you know, in, in the crash, think about the one that, that I had same thing of, I would say with motorcycle crashes, this is where it becomes even more important to apply the reasonableness standard. Okay. When, when you're an investigator or if you're an investigator and you calculate a speed of a motorcycle crash, the first thing that you should do in, in any case, but especially motorcycle cases is just take a step back and say, is this reasonable for what I have, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like for instance, in, in, in my, you know, famous motorcycle case that I, that I worked here, it, you had a, a, a sport bike that weighed uh, 385 pounds. And granted you had a little bit of a rider, but the rider came off, um, actually, uh, I'm sorry, the rider came off before it even impacted the car. So you do have just the bike into the car. And the motorcycle hit the car on the back end, right on the axle, strongest part of the car, and broke the entire rear axle assembly and blew it out the dry. So he impacts on the passenger side, blows the entire axle, both front and rear tires, blows it out the the driver's side of the car. And the car slams down on its trunk and gas tank and just rotates almost 180 degrees on asphalt. And the calculated speed from the other investigator was 35. 35 and a 35 for the motorcycle. And you got to step back and say, is that even reasonable? <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's the things you need to look at, you know, and, and weight, you know, the weight of the motorcycle. I mean, like you said, you know, you're talking 390, 400 pound motorcycle it is causing that kind of a damage. It has to, I mean, the lighter the bike, the higher the speed, most generally, if, if you, if you did a, uh, well, that's, that's Newton's Newton's second law. You know, it, it's it's got to have more speed than a heavier bike. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell guys and, and girls that that I know that have, we've talked about these or they've called with questions. Take a look at what your evidence is telling you. Number one, always trust your evidence. But number two, look at some of your go out there and, and I'm not saying use them. As, as any kind of evidentiary value, but use them as a, a checks and balance for reasonableness of your investigation. Look at some, look at some staged crashes with motorcycles. You know, if you've got a, a 600 pound bike coming in and, and hit hitting a, a car in the left rear and it pushes the car, you know, it rotates the car 20 degrees and it's a 40 mile an hour staged crash, but your car, you know, you look at, you look at the comparable weights and they're pretty close and your car moved, you know, uh, 120 degrees. Is that a 40 mile an hour crash? No. Right. Yeah. It's not, you know, or or when your motorcycle splits a car in half at the B pillar. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you just, it, it, it use these tools out there and I'm not saying that's, you know, your validation, but if nothing else, it's, it should get you, to start, ugh, you know, here's what I calculated. Man, I just don't know. I want to look at some stage crashes. Yeah. And 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 whatnot. Um, again, it's using resources that are out there, but motorcycles are a different animal. You got to look at the articulation. You got to look at you got to look at everything about them. And then you have to, you know, the rider. The rider is a big part of that too. Yeah. You know, if the rider separates at, at impact or at maximum engagement. Um, it is, does, does that rider throw have a, a value to your investigation? Absolutely. Yep. 
And I'm going to go out on one more limb and then we're going to wrap it up and give our final thoughts. But I will tell you guys, if you're investigating motorcycle crashes, the best thing, the, the number one tool you can do, and I'm going to give them a little shout out here right at the end of the show, uh, Virtual Crash, their new, the, the new software, especially VC5, is amazing at motorcycle crashes because when I, when, and, and me and Phil, owned all the all the different softwares uh for the most part i think there was only one that we didn't look at or try but for the most part all the other ones you can put the motorcycles in and you can animate a little bit about them but but with the virtual crash what makes it so powerful is is the physics generator that's in there the, the physics engine where your, your bikes do lean they bank uh when they impact you'll actually see them pitch they'll throw riders off of them and and throw the so it's a neat tool to have as a secondary check right because you know in crashes and this is one of the things that, that me and phil learned in, in florida when we attended their live training which if you have virtual crash and you haven't been to the live training you need to go sign up because what what i learned and phil correct me if you're if I'm wrong here, but what probably the, the biggest thing that blew my mind that I didn't even think about. Okay. Is we work crashes from final rest back to the start of the event. Right. So we work in reverse order. Whereas with, with, with the virtual crash, with it being a simulator, it's actually a forward thinking model. It's a predictive model based on physics. So it works from front to end. So if you put a car out there and you run the bike into it, it'll throw the rider off. And, and assume where the rider is going to land based on physics. So you can start changing the angle of impact and speed of the motorcycle. And as you're doing it live time, you see the riders where he lands change until all of your evidence matches. So you can actually use the simulator as, as a third check mm -hmm. to the speed that you calculated from your hand calculations. You know, and, and I can already see the argument or the attempted argument. I, I can literally see a particular person standing in the courtroom, just flashbacks, um, and trying to argue that you're making the simulation, you know, model what you want it to be. No, the simulation is modeling in mirror, or I shouldn't say modeling. The simulation is, um, <clears throat> is matching the evidence yeah. and that should correlate to your hand calculations. So, you know, I guess the, the, the disclaimer I want to put out there to anybody that's, that's listening, that is an investigator, do not put your, 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 your user, your, whatever your CAD drawing program is, bring your, your points in, make your scale drawing, run your simulation and then stop. You need to be doing, don't, don't use that as, as a scapegoat to not do your hand math, do your freaking hand math because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah. Well, and that's why I said like, uh, you know, that simulation would be a third check because Absolutely. you would do, I would calculate speed by hand two different ways and then you could check it as a third. Yeah. Because I think there's, there's, there's I, I would hope that I'm wrong, but I don't think that I am. <laughs> uh, there, there's people that will put that stuff into their, into the program because they have so much faith and trust in the program that this is it. It's yeah. never, never been wrong before. So I'm going to put it in again. And, you know, after the 200th case, they worked in that same program. They have absolute 100% confidence in the accuracy of it that they'll just yep. set aside hand math and do maybe just minimal hand math. No, you, you do it all. And then, yeah. And then see how it lines up, you know, because if you do your hand math 
and then you take those results and plug them into your simulator and it doesn't match, guess what? Something's wrong in your hand math. You, yep. you know, you, you got an angle wrong or you got something wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, but if you work motorcycle crashes, reach out to, uh, reach out to Conley. And uh, I feel like we should take a dig at Bob and be like, cause he's the one that made the, that made the software anyway. <laughs> so, I can already see, I can already see the hate mail from Bob, but no, reach out to Conley and, uh, and just ask him for a quick demo on motorcycles. If you work motorcycle crashes, just reach out to him, ask for a quick demo on motor on what the program can do with motorcycle wow. crashes and check this thing out. It's wild. So yeah. But Phil, all right, so let's wrap it up for everybody because, man, we actually, just the two of us have gone longer than what we typically go to because we're just so passionate about motorcycles. Yeah, um, but bring it to the people, man. The one little iota of wisdom that you have in your brain housing group, your, that one nugget of wisdom that you want to get out to everybody, what could somebody do today to make sure they're investigating motorcycle crashes at least better than they were yesterday? Don't believe every myth that's out there that you cannot investigate a motorcycle crash using this approach because of this reason. Um, I recommend you try it. And how does that line up with your evidence? How does that line up with your witnesses? How does that line up with, with everything? If it doesn't fit, okay, fine. Find another approach. Don't pigeonhole yourself with only because it's a motorcycle, I can only do it this way. There are is we talked about before at least four different ways you can do motorcycle crashes, including momentum. Um, and, and it can be done. Just understand what this, <laughs> the sensitivities are. Um, but don't not at least make the attempt because someone somewhere either in training or at a scene told you, you can't do that. Um, that, that, that is so frustrating because it's just not correct. It may, yep. have, it may have not worked for them, in the five times they did it, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means it didn't work for them five times. Yeah. And, and in the, in the famous manual that I'm thinking of where it, where it even said, you know, a lot of people point to it and they're like, well, he says you can't do it. And he does not say that, uh, FYI, if, if you read any of these, the, the big famous, uh, reconstruction manuals that I think most of us base 90% of, of what we do on, um, they always, label that section when it addresses momentum as just potential problems right that means that it could be a problem it doesn't mean you can't do it right. it just means you need to be aware that there are some potential issues that that can arise yeah and if and it's just one of those things where okay the in order to use it and and for it to 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 function and and give you the results that maybe or the the, the results you're looking for or trying to get to, I shouldn't say not looking for, you may have to account for more things. Okay, fine. Yep, exactly. So, and my little, my little iota of wisdom then that I will leave you guys with is when it comes to motorcycle crashes, this is one where the human element is arguably the most important. So yeah, if, if, if you're doing a recon report, the, when it comes to a motorcycle crash, the human section of that report should be very large, including training experience, background, riding history, all of that stuff, interviews with family, friends, people that ride with them. All of that needs to be accounted for because if you don't have it, there's no way, there's no way that you were 
the most accurate that you could be. Now I get it. I get it. Sometimes the family won't talk to you. Sometimes writing people won't talk to you. Sometimes, you know, they're going to refuse, but you at least need to make the attempt. Yeah. I mean, if anything, if you don't have that, it's just going to open your range. Your range is going to be wider instead of, you know, uh, maybe narrowed up a little bit, but your range of of, uh, of uh, results is just going to be open. You're going to yep. have a bigger window. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, well, that's going to wrap it up for the day, guys. As always, if you have a case that you want us to review for free, or you just want to connect with us, jump on over to CrashTechReconstruction.com. Also, remember to follow us on Facebook at Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. And finally, remember to always leave your accident victims better off than you found them, because at the end of the day, everything we do is for that.